let me mention when we go to Sunday school this morning for the kids, uh, this is when they'll move up to a new class if they're, and the teachers will help them with it if they know what grade they're going into or how old they are. Um, they'll they'll be able to point them in the right direction, and so um, we'll be starting new classes in with the kids, and uh, look forward to that. <clears throat> we are in part seven of our series on suffering, and uh, Malcolm Mugridge said, "Suppose you eliminated suffering." He said, what a dreadful place the world would be because everything that that corrects the tendency of man to feel over-important and over-pleased with himself would disappear. Man is bad enough now, but he would be absolutely intolerable if he never suffered. You never think of it in that regard. And yet, suffering in and of itself does not teach. The aviator and writer Anne Morrow Lindbergh said, I do not believe that sheer suffering teaches, that suffering in and of itself teaches. If suffering alone taught, all the world would be wise because everyone suffers. To suffering must be added mourning, understanding, patience, love, openness, and the willingness to remain vulnerable. All these and other factors combined, if the circumstances are right, can teach and can lead to a rebirth. So, how true it is. If if suffering taught in and of itself, everyone would be wise. You know, you've heard the old saying, live and learn. Well, there's a lot of people that have lived but have never learned, right? There needs to be effort on our part. And our purpose for this series on suffering is to help us to see, <clears throat> okay, what, what is my responsibility in suffering? We've mentioned, you know, that Suffering comes from many different sources, some of our own doing, some from other people's decisions that ends up bringing suffering into our life. Some, it's completely out of anybody's hands. It just happens, and uh, directly from God. So, we all know that there is suffering, and... It comes in various intensities and forms and links. And yet it is important for us as believers to have a biblical understanding of suffering and to learn how to respond to it. And two weeks ago we started in looking at proper responses to suffering. And and we mentioned that the first thing we need to do is to accept it, to accept God's dealings in our lives. There are things that you cannot change, and we can live in denial. We can try to do things to hide it, 
And, and yet the reality is acceptance is the first step. And acceptance depends on faith. We mentioned it's the faith to believe that God never makes a mistake. It's the faith to believe that God intimately knows me. And it's not like I'm left out here all alone and I'm suffering and no one knows. God intimately knows. It's the faith to believe that God is going to make all things work together for good. I mean, I'm going to struggle accepting this if I don't believe that. It's the faith that says, you know, God promises that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory of the future. So it's the faith to believe that it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. So the first aspect is acceptance. And acceptance is an act of faith. Acceptance is a submission to the Lordship of Christ. So today we want to go in and mention the other three responses that we need to have so that suffering does indeed teach us, so that suffering is beneficial in our life and can be used to the glory of God. You notice we read about Paul's life. And if there was anyone that had suffered, we read through this that that he had been shipwrecked, he'd been beaten, he'd been stoned, he'd suffered famine, he'd suffered the rejection of people, and, and yet he didn't murmur or complain about it. And then God gave him something not suffering. He gave him this uh, vision or experience that... He was caught up to the third heaven, and we're not going to go into all of that, but this is an incredible experience that he had that could have very easily filled him with pride, and, and yet God, to help him deal with that, gave him a thorn in the flesh. And again, we're not going to take the time to deal with the specifics of it, but three times the Bible tells us that we read, he asked God, God, would you remove this? And God said, no, in your weakness, my strength is revealed. And so Paul said, okay, I will glory now in my weakness that your power will be seen. I mean, there was much that Paul could have been filled with arrogance with. You know, you can picture Paul meeting uh, a fellow believer and, and um, them sharing their testimonies. Paul asked, so tell me about when you came to know Christ. And gives a pretty normal testimony. And the guy says, what about yours? Well, Paul's testimony I was on the road to Damascus persecuting Christians and wow, a vision came and it blinded me. And <clears throat> without going into it, he had many things that could have elevated him. And, and yet, he suffered many things. He endured a thorn in the flesh that God said, no, I'm not going to remove. 
And he accepted these things. And it is this same Paul that if you turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, wrote to the believers at Thessalonica, the same one that suffered all the things that we read about in 2 Corinthians 11. In verse 16 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says, Rejoice always. You know, it's easy when someone comes and says to us, rejoice always, to say, well, you haven't experienced this. Paul had pretty much experienced it all. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Again, remember, Paul, that all the things we read in 2 Corinthians 11. Then he says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. All these things, shipwrecked, stoned, rejected, beaten three times, uh, 39 stripes, all of those things. And now he's saying, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. God used Paul to record Ephesians. And in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse, uh, we won't take the time, but he's talking about being filled with the Spirit. And in verse 20, he says, giving thanks always for all things to God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. So this Paul, who had experienced all these things, is now writing to the believers at Ephesus, and he doesn't leave any wiggle room for us to get out of it. He says, giving thanks always for all things. Yeah, but what about this? No, that covers it all. Giving thanks always for all things to God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can accept something and not be grateful for it. You may say, well, that's my lot in life and I'm stuck with that. The second step after acceptance is gratitude. Suffering is a gift that God gives. And we mentioned a few weeks ago a quote. Some of God's greatest gifts come in the ugliest packages. And some of God's greatest gifts come wrapped in suffering. And for suffering to produce the greatest fruit in our life, we not only need to acknowledge it and accept it, we need to come before God with thanksgiving, knowing that, God, I know you love me, I know that you are at work in my life. I know you understand what I need. And so I am going to come to you and by faith, I'm not only just accepting this, I'm saying, God, thank you for allowing me to have this gift from you. I don't understand it. I would, like Paul, pray that this would be removed, but it hasn't been. So, God, I am coming to give thanks. 
You can divide the world into two classes. Those who complain about their circumstances and those who, by faith, say, thank you, Lord. It it doesn't mean that we thank God for the evil because some of the suffering that comes in our life is a result of evil. But it's, we thank God that He is even able to make this evil work together for good. As Joseph said, they meant it to me for evil, but God meant it to me for good. And suffering, learning to see suffering as a gift that I wouldn't have chosen, but God, you know, and you are at work in my life, and an understanding gratitude mixed with acceptance should be a characteristic of we as believers. Knowing that our life is in God's hand, that He is at work in our lives, and we should understand that our gratitude honors God. It is our gratitude, our praise that shows forth the greatness of God. And it prepares the way for God to work. So it's not a coincidence that God raised up Paul with all the sufferings, all the things, the epitome of of those that suffered would be the Apostle Paul. And then God raised him up to come and say to us, Eternally recorded, in everything give thanks, giving thanks always for all things. We, do, we don't have a leg to stand on and saying, yeah, but what about this and what about that? I'm certain that Paul would just turn us back to Ephesians 5, would turn us to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, would turn us to the book of Psalms where we're reminded over and over again that we are to give praise to God. So it's coming with gratitude. And you might say, how can I come with gratitude in this suffering? And and I'm certain there are sufferings that have gone on in your lives that no one else knew about. There are many of you that have suffered things that, that others have known about. And severe things. So we say, how... How can I honestly give thanks? It's not acting like an imbecile saying, Oh, thank you, thank you, when, when it is a great difficulty. Well, we give thanks because we know God is at work in our lives. Turn to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. Philippians 1 and verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. The moment you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you accepted the gift of Jesus Christ, that was the beginning of his work in you, and he said, He that began that work is going to continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. And it's important for us to understand it isn't God's work just to save us. 
It is God's work then to save us and to purify and mold us to the image of His Son. So we say, God, here's this suffering in my life. I don't understand it. I didn't want it, didn't choose it. But I'm now thanking you that you are the one that is doing this work. Turn to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13. Philippians 2 and verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. So it's coming and saying, God, you have allowed this into my life. I, I'm not going to reject it. I'm not going to deny it. I'm not going to try to bury it. I'm accepting it. And by faith, I am giving thanks to you that, God, I come before you. And this is a real act of our faith. Because there will be everything in your spirit that says, no, no, don't give thanks. But an act of our faith saying, God, I thank you because I know you are the perfect Father. And I know you are at work in my life. And trusting Him for it. We mentioned two weeks ago, I invite you to turn to the book of Habakkuk. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, and then Habakkuk. And we mentioned this in Sunday school, I believe it was. But this is a prophet God raised up and prophesying judgments that were to come. And... At the end of this book, in chapter 3, verse 17, this is a, a testimony of faith. This is a testimony of acceptance and thanksgiving. He says, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, Though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there will be no herds in the stalls. So, that's suffering. There's no fruit. There's no crops. All the livestock are gone. He says, even though all that happens, notice what he says. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and He will make me walk on high hills. So he was saying, even if the worst that can be imagined happens, I still am going to trust God. I still am going to praise God. And we mentioned um, two weeks ago, It's not a what if. What if this happens? What if that happens? It's an even if faith. Even if the worst thing happens, I've still got God. Or rather, God's still got me. And even if the economy goes completely south, 
I will joy in the Lord of my salvation. I will rejoice in Him. The Lord is my strength. What if this happens? Even if that happens, I will trust God. And that's a part of the gratitude of understanding the reality of what God has provided. So, acceptance Gratitude, and then the third aspect, to, to benefit the most from suffering, it is important for us to realize that God never gives us a gift only for ourselves. He gives us a gift to minister in our life and to minister in others. So it's, it's as though we, we come before God... He brings suffering into our life, and we accept it, we thank Him for it, and then we come and we offer it to God. God, You brought this into my life. I am now offering this to You in my life to use as You see fit. See, some of the sufferings that come into our life are because of our own foolish choices. So... We want to learn the lesson and and we want to hide that suffering. And we want to go on like nothing happened. And God says, no, I was in, in control of all of that. And I want to use that in the lives of others. Will you offer it up to God for Him to use however He sees fit? We have been blessed. Because Paul offered up his sufferings to God and said, God, use them however you want. We have been been blessed because, for example, Elizabeth Elliot has written about her sufferings and spoke about her sufferings and shared her personal testimony. We have been blessed because Johnny Erickson Tata said, God, here, use it however you want. There are, there are hundreds of thousands of people that have been blessed. She could have sat in her wheelchair in her own home and sat there and thanked God and never done anything else, but she offered it to God and said, God, use this however you can. And the struggles in sharing the struggles in giving to God this offering But we must offer it to God as a sacrifice and we must offer ourselves with it. See, the thing about offerings, it means you take your hands off it. You give authority to someone else. And when we come to God and we offer our suffering and we say, God... I accept this. I give thanks that you are going to produce good and so on. And now, God, I offer it to you. As you can use this in any way, I'm not going to deny it. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to act like it never happened in my life. And you bring people into my life that by me sharing this suffering, and sometimes it's sharing how we suffered wrongfully. Sometimes it's sharing that I'm the one that caused my suffering. Sometimes it's sharing 
I had nothing to do with this suffering, but God brought it into my life, and this is how he's using it. But God, I give it to you. See, often our desire is, God, remove it, and let's go on like nothing happened. And God says, there's no coincidences in our life. God never wastes anything in our life. He wants to use it. It's, it's an offering of obedience. It's offering God this suffering and saying, God, use it however you desire. In the book of Ezekiel, the prophet was told, your wife is going to die, and this is what you need to do. This is what you need to prophesy in Ezekiel chapter 24. And his wife died, and it says that he went and did as God commanded him. It is the offering of obedience. I don't feel like it. I don't want to, but God, I'm offering this for you to use in whatever way you can. See, as I mentioned earlier, we have been benefited over and over again by people who have suffered victoriously and have been willing to share about their highs and their lows through it. God can... And God desires to use your suffering if you will allow Him. But it's coming to God. And and again, all of these intertwine together. If we don't accept it, if we don't give thanks, we're not going to be able to offer it to God and say, God, use it however you want. And see, that's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. The comfort with which you have been comforted to comfort others also. So, offering it to God. And then, once we offer it to God, God then brings transformation. If we receive the things God has for us with thanksgiving and then offer them back to God, He will transform our lives. This is the principle of the exchange life. This is the principle of the power of God at work in our lives. This is the principle of God doing what He said He would do in our lives. Elizabeth Elliot's first husband, Jim Elliot, who was killed by the Aka Indians, said, He is no fool who gives that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And we give our suffering to God, which we can't take care of it, we can't do it, and God then gives to us power, as he said in 2 Corinthians 12, glory in this. Because it is through your weakness, through your suffering, that the power of God is seen. God is the one that brings a transformation. Life comes out of death. We give 
God our suffering. We offer Him our sorrows. We offer Him our brokenness. And He gives us joy. He gives us power. He gives us usefulness. He gives us Himself. And through all of this, the key has been the answer to suffering is not any set process. The answer is is Jesus Christ. He gives us Himself. And the reality is, once we accept with thanksgiving and offer it back to God and say, God, I am Yours. I want You to use it in any way that You can. That He then performs the transformation in our lives. He transforms our perspectives. He transforms our power. And His power is manifested. And He is able to eventually transform the sufferings of this present time which are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. The sufferings transformed into glory. In 1869, a young boy was born, Grant Colfax Toller. He was named after President Ulysses Grant and Grant's vice president, Schuyler Colfax. So his name was Grant Colfax Toller. His father served in the Civil War and came home disabled, unable to work. He was wounded severely in the battle. And Toller's mother died when he was just two years old. He had a difficult, difficult upbringing. No settled home. Knew nothing of a settled home until he became an adult. As a child, he received virtually no education, no religious training. He worked in a woolen mill and worked as a shoe clerk. And yet, from this life of sorrow and hardship, God worked in his life to bring him to salvation. And with little to no education, God worked in his life to raise him up and equip him and put him in a place where he became a writer. His songs and poetry have blessed hundreds of thousands. Grant Toller could have sat down and said, I didn't get an education and my dad didn't, couldn't do this with me and I didn't have a mother and he could have complained But he accepted God's dealings in his life. He gave thanks for it. He offered it to God as an offering and God transformed his life. One of his poems is this. My life is but a weaving between my Lord and me. I do not choose the colors. He works steadily. Oft times he weaves with sorrow. And I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper and I the underside. 
Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly shall God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why. The dark threads are needful in the weaver's skillful hand as much as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. God is the weaver. And we can, we can mess with his threads that he brings into our lives and we can deny it and we can try to throw it out of our life. But when we understand God is weaving and even the dark threads that he brings into our life, to accept it and say, God, thank you. I'm looking at the underside right now, but by faith, there's coming a day when you will unroll the canvas. And I will see, and my mouth and my heart will praise you. What an amazing God you are. None of us are going to look at the canvas and say, well, I think you shouldn't have put that there. None of us. We will be filled with praise and adoration to God. And by faith, we give thanks now, and we offer it to God, and we say, God, here I am. I offer my life. I offer this difficulty. I offer this suffering to you. And I am trusting you to magnify your name through this. I don't know where you are today. But I honestly believe with all my heart that these truths are life changing. And we mentioned two weeks ago... There are people that go through life and have never accepted the, the undeniable, unchangeables that God's put in our life. And we resist them, we react to them. And I believe that oftentimes what hinders the transformation that God wants to do in our lives, what hinders the power of God from really working is we have not accepted it, we have not given thanks, and we have not offered it back to God and said, God, you use it however you want. We sometimes say, it's just too painful, I can't talk about it. God knows when He will give you the grace, but you offer it to God. And, and in so doing, then, in our weakness... As he said in 2 Corinthians 12, then in our weakness, God's power is manifested. So Paul concluded, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in reproaches. I take pleasure in needs. I take pleasure in persecutions. I take pleasure in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. We want to see the power of God work. But what do you need to do? Do you need to come and accept by thanksgiving what God has allowed in your life? Do you need to offer it to God and say, God, I offer this to you to use 
Whoever you bring into my life, whatever situations, I offer it for you to use. And God, I am, I am here to do the next thing. I am here to obey you and to see your power glorified. Until we do those, we won't see the power of God in our own personal lives. We can pray all we want. We can study all we want until we submit by faith to the Lordship of God. His power won't be seen. Heavenly Father, I pray that even now as your Spirit brings to hearts and mind things that, that we have rejected, things that we have not accepted, that we've not given thanks for, that we've not offered to you. Lord, I pray today on the altar of our hearts, you would be pleased with what we give to you. Lord, I, I understand and know the battle with giving thanks. Well, I don't feel thankful. You didn't say when we feel thankful to give thanks. It's an act of our our will. It's an act of faith. And Lord, I pray that there would be great delight in your presence as you see us as individuals come before you and lay on the altar before you with a heart of acceptance and gratitude offering to you to use however you desire. And then, Lord, may your transforming power be evident in our lives as what Satan meant for evil is used for good. Lord, may others be blessed as you use our lives to share our struggles, to encourage them in their struggles to go to you. And Lord, we rejoice today that when we've trusted you for the forgiveness of sins, you begin a good work in us and you promise to continue that until you come again. So Lord, may our hearts see things from your perspective. May our hearts run to you. And may we know the power of you at work in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.